Change is coming. That was the clear message from the Lincolnshire Farming Conference this week. We mustn't be naive about the challenge. It's big, it's enormous, but let's not be overwhelmed by the enormity of it all. Now we're in a different arena globally and people are going to have to plan. Farming is going to be less protected uh, and it's going to be more down to the decisions of the entrepreneur, the farmer himself. This morning, the main speakers and what they had to say to those attending the event. Sunday, March 5th, 2017. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. Did uh, Ellie get that right? March already? The year's flying by, isn't it? The Beat campaign ended this week, and it was also the week the annual farming conference was held at the Lincolnshire Showground, the third such event now. As I mentioned at the start, change was the big message, and how agriculture is going to embrace it. Andrew Ward, who farms at Lednam and a good friend to the programme, was the chairman for the day. So what did he take away from the conference? Well, I think we've had um, five fantastic uh, speakers giving a complete range of of topics and their own knowledge. And uh, all of them have really... I felt given something to all the delegates today. You know, we've, we've, we've had uh, Kelly Houston Fisher from Anglia Water giving lots of facts and information. And to think that residues um, in water and, and uh, contaminants in water, they can pick up the equivalent of one second in 320 years. That's the type of contamination that we're having to contain, if you like. And for them to be able to detect that is, is quite remarkable. So that was a, a real sort of alarming point for me. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Graham Red looking at at costs and lots of various um, aspects and and various things he said about uh, lots of little phrases but there were there were four or five I've got them written down great great phrases to go go away with and uh, really insightful look into managing a business and risk and I think what one of the things I do remember now he was saying was uh, looking at risk um, are you a risk taker you need to assess whether you're a risk taker and I in that concept are you actually in a storm are you the sort of person that would actually put a shed up to protect you from the storm or are you would you put a windmill up you know so i think that is a or a turbine that is a you know a really really powerful thing isn't it um, and then um yes and then uh, bill clark from niab looking at genetics looking at breeding uh, potentially super wheat yielding 20 percent greater than what we've got i wish we could have some of those that'd be good wouldn't it <laughs> um and um that 20 percent yield increase in plant breeding terms would normally Normally take 40 years so to get something like that with genetics and but not genetically modified as you know as you said but to look at it in plant breeding terms as a, uh, is great so i think lots of interesting facts and then lastly guy smith you know and what, what a great chap he is isn't he yeah. giving a lot lots of uh, lots of information if you like that we don't really see and what goes on in the background in the eu offices and in brussels and and giving the nfu's outlook which i know a lot of people don't uh, agree or some people don't agree with it but I actually think that you know, the NFU do some good and as I said to them at the end I think we would be in a lot worse place without them so I, I think the whole day we've heard a diverse range of speakers and I personally even though I've been chairing it have taken away and listened and taken away something from every one of them and I think it's been a very very good afternoon. One, one theme that seems to have run is change is coming um, you know whatever happens mm. something is going to change whether it's Brexit the debate over glyphosate everything like that mm. we've got some big changes on our way. We have got a lot of changes on our way, Sean, and that is that 
it's it's alarming in a way that we have got all these changes and and that like brexit and coming out of the eu we do not know what is going to happen and what is going to be the result of those and in in five years time i don't know whether even in five years time we'll know you know whether that decision last june was the right one or not so we have got a lot of changes but today's topic of of managing risk and planning for the future uh, you know was certainly a very uh, apt topic but it's a very vast topic and planning for the future with the uncertainties we've got. Um, and like you mentioned, glyphosate, planning for those eventualities um, is not easy, but we have to do something. Andrew Ward, chairman of the conference. Well, let's hear from uh, some of those speakers Andrew mentioned, starting with Guy Smith, vice president of the NFU. He was discussing life after Brexit. The last time I spoke with Guy, it was virtually on the same spot before we knew that Brexit meant Brexit. You know, I look back on that time and it was difficult because we were a pretty split industry. And when you're representing 46,000 farmers and you know half of them want to do one thing and the other half want to do the other and we at 50% remain, 50% leave, it was difficult. But look, the, the important point now is that it's done. The decision's made. It's really important that the industry doesn't try and rehearse the arguments, that we accept we have to move on. It's really important that we see this as opportunity rather than threat. We mustn't be naive about the challenge. It's big, it's enormous, but let's not be overwhelmed by the enormity of it all. The last thing we want now is some sort of fatalism that the industry's off to Helen Hancock. So don't believe that. But there's a, a, a shed load of decisions that have got to be made over the next two or three years. They're probably going to be made in a heck of a hurry uh, because the government have got a huge workload on them. And it's really important now that the industry has a strong voice. It makes sure it's heard so government doesn't start taking bad decisions, which will damage our industry, which will in effect damage the largest manufacturing sector in the economy, food and drink. So I think that's what we're, we're all about now, making sure we have a loud voice, we're clear about our demands, about what we think we can do for the economy. Uh, but our challenge also is that politically, you know, it's very volatile and it's very difficult to second guess where we are going to be with this next month. I know you obviously had the Secretary of State and the Minister at the, the NFU conference last week. Are government giving agriculture and giving food the food industry the prominence it deserves in as we enter these negotiations? Well, again, that's our challenge. I think at times we think, you know, we do hear agriculture being name-checked, and that's reassuring, and sometimes it's a bit absent. So we've got to make sure that, you know, when our trade negotiators go into places like Brazil to negotiate about agriculture, that they bear in mind that, you know, the Brazilian beef farmers use hormones. We don't. So if we, they have access to our markets, there's a competitive problem for us there. I'm always wary of saying that agriculture is a special case uh, because I think that makes us sound a bit needy and a bit self-obsessed. But we are an unusual industry. We have these issues like animal welfare, like environment, like food safety, food assurance that other industries don't have. And I think we've just got to make politicians aware that they need to respect those sorts of issues or... The risk is they simply, because we've left the EU, they end up exporting agriculture with it. 
You started off by, by saying that, you know, it's, we don't want to be doom-laden here. What is the message? What do you think uh, the people are saying to you, your, your members, for example? Are they, are they feeling doom-laden or are they trying to look optimistic on the future? No, I, I think some people recognise it's about opportunity. I, I think people are wary. They feel slightly unsettled and that's not surprising. But, you know, I, I think farmers have always recognised that it's quite challenging. Uh, and they've got to be lean, so that hasn't changed. I think we've got to make sure our businesses are robust as we go into what could be a volatile few years, but I think it's an NFU. We've got to be, you know, um, talking to the right people at the right place at the right time. We've got to be challenging government um, as government bring back ag policy from Brussels for the first time in 40 years. They've got to be fit for purpose. Uh, DEFRA have got to turn into a supporting, sponsoring ministry rather than a delivery regulating ministry and that's going to need a culture shift on their part so I think we need to be sort of laying out the ground as best we can uh, to give it the best chance to get the best deal going forward. Guy Smith of the NFU, well being competitive and making the best of the change that's coming was very much the theme of Graham Redmond's piece at the conference. He's a partner at the Anderson Centre and also author of the John Nix Farm Management Pocketbook. He says remaining competitive is as important as ever. Uh, Without a doubt, it's always been important to be competitive. Um, There are sort of changes underway that suggest that maybe in the future farming is going to be less protected uh, and it's going to be more down to the success or decisions of the entrepreneur, the farmer himself, as to whether he or she is going to be successful and competitive in the long run. Um, So, yeah, it's critical. As we can hear, the other uh, sessions are still ongoing. Um, If... if, if if you wanted the delegates to take anything away from your discussion, what would it be? What would be the one thing you'd want them to take away today? Uh, I think the slide which was talking about or demonstrating the range of performance within each sector from the very best performers and the very poorest performers is massive and continues to grow and it's bigger than it's ever been. So the return on capital, for example, in the cereal sector for the best performers is like 20% different to the poorest performers. That is the difference between profit and loss. That is the difference between success and business failure. Um, And... In the future, if the subsidy is going to decline, if there's going to be less support, if there's going to be a reallocation of um, subsidies and so on and so forth, if the marketplace is going to be more volatile, we don't know. We have no idea what the future heralds. Uh, But those who are at the top of that pile will succeed and thrive and grow and be able to develop and reach their goals, whatever those goals happen to be. And as you said, I mean, you know, Brexit, it is a very uncertain time, but there are winners to be made out of these, aren't there? There will always be opportunities about those who have got their eyes open and looking in the right way to find the opportunities, grab them and run with them as hard as they can or make them up for themselves. And Anderson's, how are things there? Uh, Anderson's, uh, as a consultancy, is very busy. Uh, we've got the two strands of the business. We've got the farm management consultancy. And we've got the uh, work with the entire industry along the supply chain. Um, and we're working well with both sides of the firm, with the farm and also within the industry. Just about to start on uh, a series of seminars uh, discussing agriculture throughout uh, Great Britain. Starts later on this week. So, yeah, good. People can find out more about that and about the pocketbook, I guess, by going to the website. Theandersoncentre.co.uk.
Graham Redman of Andersons, one of the many speakers at the Farming Conference on Tuesday. We'll have more from that conference in a moment. First, it's our weekly update from our friends at Open Field. It's Chris Spratt once again uh, this week. Hello, Chris. Morning, Sean. How are things? Yeah, fine, thank you. Good. What, what, what's to report? Well, I think after a last lacklustre two to three weeks, the market's uh, tending to drift over that time and, and really looking for direction. We have seen a little bit of upward action this week, um, certainly on futures uh, midweek anyway. Uh, interestingly, out of the uh, US mid- midweek, we saw bluff and counter bluff with rumours that uh, there was going to be a proposed uh, rise in ethylene- ethanol inclusion to 15% for their summer months, uh, and, and that that might be on the cards, uh, with also some possible reduction of imports. But within a few hours, the White House had apparently scotched that rumour, working on the theory that there's no smoke without fire. The markets have subsequently been wary. What, if anything, is going on remains the question, but of course that could make a significant difference to the usage of of corn uh, in in the States. Uh, Midweek again, Egypt made uh, further purchases of wheat on uh, Tuesday, following on from their last tender. Uh, Many surprised, actually, because that was the third tender in two weeks. This time they brought a total of 535,000 tonnes, two French vessels, four Russian, two Romanian and one Ukrainian, each of around 55 to 60,000 tonnes. And it's interesting, really, we've we've talked about um, the currency situation in Egypt over the last uh, year or 18 months now, and certainly the devaluation in in their currency is is really causing uh, issues over there. They're having to pay significantly more for their imports than they were uh, 18 months ago. The UK wheat balance sheet, well, that remains tight. Uh, Midweek again saw a slight change in the UK crop size with an 84,000 tonne reduction to 14.38 million tonnes of wheat by DEFRA. Sterling, well, that came under pressure over the week and, as always, needs to be monitored. It's a big influence on our market valuations. Uh, Exports of feed wheat uh, at the moment are really out of the question on these old crop levels, but certainly... Uh, I think that uh, if you looked at on the right day, probably milling wheats out of the south coast, uh, where it's a poor premium, but uh, might might well figure. Uh, generally, milling wheat premiums remain uh, poor at best to non-existent on others, um, but we do need to keep an eye out of that south coast deep water port business, uh, which could influence the market going forward. Barley, well, that still remains a poor relation and a way off the traditional discount to wheat values. Malting barley prices, they're holding up well, really, and I think there'll be an awful lot of land work taking place as soon as we get a break in this weather. Um, a lot of spraying, top dressing, and, and drilling of spring crops to do. All seed rate, well, that uh, futures market has moved higher throughout the week, recovering uh, at one stage £11, in, uh, 11 Euros rather in two days, and within five euros of the market highs that we saw earlier in February. And I would say cash bids have been slow to follow through, uh, reflecting in prices. Although I think crush margins now uh, have improved, uh, and we have seen uh, crushers bidding uh, first-hand, which is the first time for a long while, actually. Internationally, on all commodities, I think logistics could still play a big part in the coming months. Uh, in actual fact, there's a report this week of up to 3,000 trucks have been stuck in one of Brazil's main highways, transporting soybeans to the port. And that road's been slowly upgraded. Over the years, there's been different uh, pictures and things put on YouTube about them trying to get soya to the port. Um, uh, in certain uh, times of the year, when it's rained heavily, the, that, that road becomes, or the roads out there become impassable. They are spending an awful lot of time trying to uh, trying to improve their infrastructure. It's still the most common method of, um, of transportation there and, and, and really actually does affect the market. 
Uh, rapeseed production in the EU, that's been forecast by Reuters at around about 22.7 million tonnes. Various ranges have been quoted throughout the season, 19.3 up to 24 million tonnes, but that is up 15% from the 2016 harvest. Uh, it's mainly an increase in Europe, uh, 6, 6.6 million hectares, up from 6.4 million he- uh, hectares last year. And if we see a more a, a more a return to traditional yield trends, uh, then uh, there is a forecast, uh, certainly even in the UK, where we could get back over the two million ton mark. Uh, again, big variation in areas drilled at this stage. Beans have been slightly easier with still no human consumption bids, and on the back of that, human consumptions have, have been trading at feed values. If we just have a quick look at uh, uh, X Farm f- uh, values. Feed week for March, 145 to 148, with May 146 to 149. Harvest feed wheat, 128 to 131, with November 17, 133 to 136. And for those looking even further ahead, November 18, 134 to 136. Feed barley, £120 for March, £122 for May, £109 to £110 for harvest, and £113 to £115 for November. Old crop spring barley still a good trade in the region of 140 to 145, with November 17 at 135, and in actual fact November 18 140. Uh, Oilseed rape that's traded in the week in the region of 345 to 350 on the old crop, with the new crop for harvest at 310 and November at 318. And then finally, feed beans 161 on the old crop and in the region of 147 to 154 November. Thank you, Chris Spratt from Open Field. Thanks, John. Back to the farming conference in a moment. First, our weekly agronomy update from Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. You had uh, an exciting day in London with MPs this week. I did. While you were all tucked up nice and warm in the Epic Centre listening to Wardy ramble on about everything in general, um, I was down in London uh, having lunch with. Uh, 11 or 12 MPs uh, to try and discuss with them and get through to them the importance of the agrochemicals that we've got and the importance and the implications of what happens if we lose them. And to be fair, they were very, very receptive. Um, I think the the unfortunate thing is that was 12 of them. There's another 608 we've got to convince. So that's where we come back to what I've been saying for weeks. This is going to happen. You need to do something about it. You need to write to your MP as their constituents. So just get pen to paper or type right on email uh, and email your MPs because they have to listen if you voice your concerns. And this is very, very serious to our industry. I'm not going to bang on about it, but that's what I was doing. And then the trains were awful coming home. So I was happy to be back in Lincolnshire. So starting with, and while I'm saying that, I got stuck at the station. I'd just like to give my thanks to a couple called Heather and Mark Fielding, who are solicitors who rescued me from being stranded in the wilds, uh, windswept and abandoned, desolate place, which is Grantham. Uh, because I couldn't get back to Newark because my train was uh, cancelled. So thank you very much, Heather and Mark Fielding, for that. You saved my life. Um, so moving on to agronomy then, um, it's a little bit of a dodgy old week. We've had over an inch of rain in the last seven days. Things are very, very wet. But as you can see from looking at fields, they are really greening up. So they are mineralising nitrogen, or at least they were, until this little spell of weather happened because the soil temperatures have gone from high sixes into low fours once again so nothing's really happening now I hear people talking about and it's generally coming from manufacturers I hear them talking about the fact there is yellow rust out in the field
field, I can find yellow roofed in, in particular Skyfall. I haven't seen any in reflection yet, but there is a little bit in Skyfall. That relies upon cool, wet weather. Well, it couldn't be much more perfect for yellow rust. Although now it's come colder, it's going to get no worse. But when I hear them talking about putting a pre-T0 fungicide on and then maybe planning a T0.5 before you get to T1, I wonder how they think the money sits and stacks in agriculture, because I just don't think that money's there to keep throwing money at a problem. It's not going to get any worse. Your T0, which goes on in two or three weeks' time, will deal with this yellow rust issue. The septoria is the key, but yellow rust will be a problem all through the season. All you have to do is stop it getting onto the next leaf, so bear that in mind. Also, as you drive around, you'll see the daffodils are starting to come out. That means it's more or less perfect to put your Atlantis on, um, because the black grass will be growing as well. That means soil temperatures are up. But do bear in mind, I keep banging on about it, it is crucial you put it onto a dry leaf. Because if you put it onto a damp leaf and it runs off, that means you'll get about 50% of thin. That's like putting half rate on. That means your multi-step resistance means you'll build resistance very, very quickly by giving it a sniff. Put it on in good conditions. If that means you only put a tank on a day, then put a tank on a day. It's far too cold to be thinking about sugar beet. Forget sugar beet. But while you're picking your varieties and looking at bolters and that sort of thing, um, just bear in mind it sounds crackers, but it's not how cold it is that gives you bolters. It's how warm it isn't. And that does make sense. A few frosts won't give you bolters. But if it stays cold and soil temperatures remain low for a period after you put the beet in the ground, that's when you'll get bolters. Spring barley, spring wheat will go in the ground as and when conditions allow. And there is plenty going in on the heath. Um, Nitrogen on wheat, I think I'm pleased I haven't put any on because an inch of rain in cold conditions, a lot of that has now run through. We've lost a bit of that. But nitrogen sulphur on oilseed rate needs to go on now. And if you've got good travelling conditions, good fields, well drained, there's nothing to stop you going on the more forward pieces of wheat and getting 50 or 60 kilos on those as well. Apart from that... Um, very little disease in the rape to talk about, but keep your eye on these pigeons because they are going absolutely crackers. Sean Sparling back next week. It's fair to say there was a lot of networking, as you might imagine, at Tuesday's conference. A good opportunity to test the temperature of agriculture, if you will. And I did just that with agricultural chaplain Alan Robson over an orange juice or two. People do have to reflect, you know, going forward. Now we're in a, a different arena globally and people are going to have to plan as best they can, the cropping regime for the next five years, as changes will happen over the next ten years. So uh, there's a lot of challenges, and it's great to see so many here, hundreds of people here today, really wanting to get a grip of what's the latest things happening and how can I adjust my business. So you're hearing from Guy Smith talking about Brexit, uh, particular concern at the moment as, as those negotiations get underway. And uh, I know a few people have concerns about our ties, therefore, with America as uh, we're looking to do deals around the world, aren't we? And, and that's it. And, and the Chinese economy uh, has its own vulnerabilities as well as its opportunities. And I, I, I think it's going to be a very, very clever and tactical positioning that we have to make. And the global trade rules are very, very complex and you know, we've been, as a small island, looking to uh, the east um, and, uh, and being very, a big part of Europe. And I think that's still important that we have that trading relationship there. Um, but there are lots of vulnerabilities trying to trade with the world as well. So nobody has a clue really yet. And, uh, <laughs> and here we are, you know, lots of meetings and 
breakfast meetings, evening meetings, lunchtime meetings, people pontificating about what really we don't know what the rules of the game are going to be yet. Agricultural chaplain Reverend Canon Alan Robson, to give him his full title. Water management was another issue debated on Tuesday. We'll examine that in more detail on next week's programme. Well, there's plenty of water to manage from the skies this week by the uh, looks of things. Let's see what the weather has in store for us, shall we? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Yes, I think unsettled is uh, the key to the week ahead. Some uh, rain heavy at times today, quite a few millimetres falling in places. Nine Celsius, the high later. That wind starting from the south-southwest, 15 gusting at 25, later from the west-southwest at about 30 miles an hour. More rain overnight tonight. Lows of 4 Celsius, the wind. More from the west, 15, gusting at 30 miles an hour. And then a little drier tomorrow, though still the possibility of a few showers. 9 Celsius, the high for Monday. The wind from the north-northwest, 15, gusting at 25 miles an hour. Drier with patchy cloud, though that cloud will clear first thing on Tuesday, pushing temperatures down to around 2 Celsius first thing. The wind from the north-northwest, 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then a sunny start to Tuesday, but the possibility of some shower as clouds increase. 9 Celsius the high, the wind from the east at about 5 miles an hour. Overcast Tuesday into Wednesday, possibility of some heavy rain yet again first thing on Wednesday morning. Lows generally around 5 Celsius, the wind more from the south, 15 gusting at 30 miles an hour. And then through Wednesday itself, possibility again of a bit of rain, could be heavy by a late thing on Wednesday. Uh, Some cloud though and dry in places, 10 Celsius generally the high and that wind from the west at about 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, well, it does look like things will uh, cool down. Remaining unsettled, it's fair to say, and quite breezy from the west-southwest. And as I say, that jet stream moving once again, so uh, it might well be a lot cooler this time next week. We'll uh, wait and see. The hourly updates, of course, as ever, will keep you updated on that. That is the forecast, and indeed another week in the world of agriculture. We'll have more of the same next Sunday at the usual time. The podcast will, of course, be online as well. And you can share your stories with us too. If you've got something you think we should be mentioning here on the programme, do get in touch. Email us through the website. Until next Sunday then, as ever, have a good week's farming.